few weeks between the, the uh, series on uh, when the series on the parenting ended and the uh, new year. So um, I thought it would be, and and we're not the Advent series this year is not very Christmassy in the sense of you know about the birth of Jesus. So I thought maybe we could focus on the birth of Jesus for these few weeks between now and the end of the year. Um, and uh, for the next few weeks we're going to do what I'm calling uh, devotional discussions on the birth of Christ. And uh, today I, I uh, said in the, in the Friday email that we're going to talk about the newborn body of Jesus. So that's our topic. It's really wonderful to have Israel here as a special guest so that we can, uh, because it really forms the perfect setting for this class. Um, but I'll tell you about that after we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for gathering us this morning. And we know that this might just well be the only time in history when this particular group of people are gathered and uh, we know that you have a special purpose for this gathering and we pray that you would use it dear Lord in each of our hearts and lives and uh, that you would speak to us especially about the precious gift that you gave us in the newborn um, Savior Jesus we pray in his name Amen Okay, so whenever people have a baby, uh, it there's an, and unless there's extraordinary circumstances, you know, there's a um, it's sort of a built-in situation because the baby sleeps a lot and because the baby feeds a lot. For then, because the baby's so new and different, you know, they're so small and so even though they're the we know human bodies well. They're just so tiny and so different that we spend a lot of time looking at them and pondering and looking at each part of their body. And and uh, I I remember many times where uh, just catching Marianne just gazing upon her little babies, and uh, and so I thought this morning. It might be, even though obviously we don't have the baby Jesus here, uh, and especially now that we have some historical perspective on Christ and his life, that we might imagine ourselves, you know, pondering over his baby body and considering the things that would considering together the things that were to be done and take place with regard to certain parts of his body. Um, so for instance, uh, I will introduce you know, a part of his body and then all of us can just sort of consider ways that that part of his body was, was used in his life and in his work um, in in the future. So uh, we can start with um, his ears. Think about the 
the ears of the baby Jesus. And, uh, and of course, you know, we're, trying, we're looking for things that uh, were unique about Jesus. That is, every, not just the same thing that every baby would do with his ears or with his eyes or his hands or his face, but particular specific things from God's word that we know happened as a result of those different parts of his body. So let's start with his ears and just think about what, uh, what role those played in his life. Anybody uh, give me anything? Mike? Yes. That's right. And that's uh that's and that happened twice. That happened who knows when those two when it happened twice. What are the two times that it happened? When God spoke out of heaven and said, This is my beloved son. At his baptism. And then at the Mount of Transfiguration, second time. Okay, that's very good. I mean, that is a very unique thing that happened to Jesus. No one ever heard God say that um, out of heaven into his ears. Very good. Um, anything else? This, this one of... I mean, there's many things that Jesus heard, of course. But one thing that he heard that no one else seemed to hear... It was one of my favorite stories in the Gospels is when Jesus was in Jericho on his way to Jerusalem for his final week. And uh, on the side of the road, remember, blind Bartimaeus is crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. But in the bustle of the crowd, no one was paying attention except the people right in front of him were saying, telling him to keep quiet. But Jesus, in the midst of that crowd, heard his voice and stopped and said, bring him to me, and gave him sight. And, uh, you know, to me that's just so precious because it shows how even when no one else hears the cries of our hearts, Jesus does and tends to our needs, even though there's so many other things going on. Anything else on his ears? Okay, this, how about his arms? This is a rather hard one. But, uh, because as I pondered the story, um, I could think of very few things. I mean, a lot of things with his hands, and obviously your arms are connected to your hands, so your arms are always involved when your hands are. But <clears throat> only one thing, one story could I come up with that, that specifically involved his arms. Cool. Well, that that is it's when he when he lifted up the children and held them in his arms to uh, to bless them when the women came to him and and uh, and the disciples tried to stop them. Remember, and uh, but he rebuked the disciples and said, you know, don't prevent them from bringing 
don't prevent the children from coming to me. So that is the one time I thought of as well that he held, he held the children in his arms and, uh, and blessed them. Okay, let's, let's think about his feet. Anne? Yes, she. Twice, once with uh, the, once Mary with the anointing, and then once with the woman um, who anointed his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Very good. Yes, Mike. Yes, obviously, the uh, spikes driven through his feet, and uh, on the cross. His other one, this is, this is a big one, should be relatively easy to think of some things. Yes, he walked on this earth, and even though a lot of people walked on this earth, for him that was a big deal because he didn't come from the earth like everybody else that walked on the earth. Okay, I actually have that down, so don't feel... That uh, <laughs> like that's an invalid answer. I'll give you a hint. There's something else he walked on. Yeah. He walked on water. And that's even more rare, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Um, now, let's see. The only other one I have about that is something that you would never probably guess. And that's that, uh, you know, he wore the sandals of which John the Baptist spoke when he said, I'm unworthy even to untie his sandals. I mean, I love the, the line in um, one of the hymns that we sing about that um, that refers to his, the fact that that uh, his walking on this earth you know, basically made this earth something it wasn't before. It was the place where Jesus walked. You know, the Son of God walked on this planet. You know, if you think about um, you guys know that there's a tiny little town right down the street, literally 100 yards from here, called Old called Buckland, and it's a historic town. Congress, that's why they can't widen this road, and that's why they have to search everywhere else to try to get the traffic congestions solved because they are not allowed to, because it's a historic area. And one of the things that's historic about this little town is that George Washington stayed there once. And, um, 
And so, you know, that's the way we are. We, something is sanctified because George Washington stayed there. Well, think about how much more this whole world has been sanctified because of Christ walked on it. And, um, and in the Holy Land even more. I got one more. Sure. Might be a bit of an extrapolation. <laughs> presumably, when he ascended, his feet were the last thing. <laughs> okay. That's uh, a fair extrapolation, I would say. Okay. How about his knees? Yes, very good. That's one of the two things I have. Is uh, he, you know, he was desperate at that time, and and uh, you know, uh, that he was n- prayed on his knees in Gethsemane, and uh, when he was in agony. Anyone else? That's the other one I had. Very good. Good, Thomas. He obviously had to kneel down to, uh, to wash his disciples' feet. I don't think it specifically says that he got down on his knees, but you don't need to say that. So, so yeah, let me just say, you know, again... Bring, you, bring us back to the little baby, um, thinking about those little knees, and uh, and those times of of uh, service and those times of uh, prayer, and that you know, to me, it's just a precious thing to think about the future of those n- newborn knees in our Lord. Yes, Mike. Feet is one of the few body parts. In his future yep. body. That's true. Burnished bronze. Right. Yep. True. Um, also, I found a piece of jewelry. Did anybody lose a little silver? It's like a charm by any chance. It's not mine. <laughs> okay. How about his face? This is a big one. Are we to exclude other features on the space? No. We don't have a, we do have another one for nose and another one for lips and oh. that kind of thing. We do have one for eyes. Well, he um, spit. Uh, and we do have mouth, actually. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and that one is on the list for mouth, so we'll save that one for the mouth. <laughs> But there is one that has to do with spit. The transfiguration is um, a good one. You know, his face shone like the sun at his transfiguration.
anybody figure out the spit one yet? Just his face or? But not mouth. mouth. Not mouth. It's not mouth, it's face. But still spit is the Yes. Uh, well, that's another one. That's an important one, is Jesus kissed him on the cheek. But I'm thinking of when the soldiers spit in his face when he was being mocked and whipped. And uh, the only other one I have under face is just that he... Uh, he must have had an ordinary face. No one ever reacted to Jesus by saying, ew, that guy's ugly. Or, ooh, look, look what a good-looking guy that is. He just must have had an ordinary appearance in terms of those kind of things. Like, you know, 90% of mankind, he, he bore that ordinary look of people. Yeah, Mike? Yes, he did. I have his head, and that's, that's under that one. So why don't we go to his head now, and we'll count that as the first one. Crown of thorns on his head. Any others but his head? Ascension? Oh. The Transfiguration? No, no, no. The vision of Daniel, the different, different layers of the statue. But I understand that it's not Jesus. I thought that's what Mike was referring to earlier. No, I don't think so. Okay. I think you must have misunderstood what he was saying. Yeah, it's feet of burnished bronze. But you're right; it it is. Uh, there is the shoulders of burnished bronze in the in the statue, I think, or bronze anyway, or silver. Is it shield silver? And then the I can't remember. Okay. Does that include brain? Because I was thinking he's the only person that's ever not caught a sinful thought. It's true. Very true. It's a good thought. What happened to his head in Gethsemane? Sweat drips of blood. We assume that was his brow. Not his underarms. They wouldn't have put it in the Bible if it was his underarms because they wouldn't have seen it. I have two more in this one. One is that uh, at his baptism, the the dove descended upon him and and onto his head in particular. So it doesn't say it landed on his head, but it said a, a dove from the Holy Spirit, like a dove from heaven, on his head. 
And then uh, the other one is that um, one of the details of his mistreatment and abuse by the soldiers is that they took the staff they had given him as a mock when they were sort of playing with him as a king and beat him on the head with it. Um, okay, how about his back? by the guards and the Roman soldiers both his garment it probably was yeah. the back part of his garment yeah. yep. I love the way the chosen depicts that I don't know if you've seen that scene in the chosen but very well done, I think. Okay, how about, uh, can you think of a time when he bore a heavy load on his back? Certainly carried the cross. To... Right. When he carried the cross to the point that he couldn't carry it anymore. Okay. Well, now... Um, his hands, his eyes, his mouth, and his side. Those are the four left. So his hands. Those little hands. What was the future of those little hands? They were pierced on the cross. Okay, very good. They, they served the first Lord's Supper. They broke the bread. Do you remember the last time they broke the bread? There was one time after the Last Supper. Uh, it said he prepared, it says he prepared a breakfast of fish for them. And, but, it, but no, that... When did he break the bread after the Last Supper? Uh, he did appear to them in the room, but it never says he broke bread with them, as far as I remember. Benjamin, you know this? Yeah. Okay, you know what all back there tell us. It's Emmaus, right? Yep, the road to Emmaus. And Jesus walked with the two disciples. Um, and uh, when they got there, they invited him in, still not knowing who he was. And, uh, and they basically got some food out, and he took the bread and he broke it. And as soon as he broke it, they knew who he was. And then he disappeared. Luke 24. Okay. What else about his hands? Yes. Yep. And there are probably many miracles. You know, he laid hands on people. Yep. But one miracle, one healing miracle in particular, his hands played a significant role. And that's when he touched the leper. Because it was against the law to touch 
a leper because you would become unclean. But of course when Jesus, when the clean touches the unclean, generally the clean becomes unclean. But when Jesus comes, the clean makes the unclean become clean. And that's what he did with the leper. Okay, how about his eyes? You could see people's hearts. Yeah, he saw things and people that other people didn't see, that that other people didn't focus on, that were very real there. Saw God's presence and saw God's activity and that people didn't see. Yes, he wept. He wept for his friend Lazarus and he wept one other time. Anybody remember the other time that he wept? No, I mean, he, he may well have wept there. It's not, I'm not saying he didn't. He probably did, but it doesn't say that he wept specifically. The other time he wept is one time when he was coming into the city of Jerusalem and, and uh, you know, heartbroken over their rebellion and their hardness toward him. And it says that he wept over the city. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The good point. He had his eyes closed through the storm when the boat was on the on the ocean on the sea. Very good. I also love the uh, what Matthew nine says seeing the people he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. So he saw that reality in man. He saw his lostness in a way that you know we're, that ordinary human eyes are pretty oblivious to. And then. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of times when, this is a subtle thing but um, it's not just things that he saw it's things that he looked at um, in John 9 in the story of the healing of the man that was born lame no, born blind um, Jesus is walking it just says <clears throat> let me get that out real quick if you have a Bible, you can turn to John 9. Just getting another update from Michelle as I'm opening my phone about the situation over there. So it says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, 
that he was born blind. So, uh, and this is one of the ones where he spit upon the ground and uh, anointed the man's eyes with the mud. But just that first verse, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. You know, we, sh- we um, hide our eyes from things that disturb us. Our society does. We put them in this place or that place so we don't have to see them. But um, you know that if you go to third world big city, for instance, you'll see all the things that are, you know, the, the beggars that are paralyt- paralytics or and whatever they're um, deformed and uh, or insane. So he, you know, it was a common thing to have a person on the side of the road born blind. So the intriguing thing is when Jesus came along, it says he saw him. Well, you know, they went a lot of places. And he, you know, as they walking by, you see a lot of things. But something about what Jesus did drew the disciples' attention to this man. It says, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him. So somehow the way that Jesus saw him drew attention to the man. And um, for for them to see him, and for them to wonder about him. And ask this question. And it seems to me that that, uh, Jesus, so I'm talking about, you and I may have seen the person, but Jesus looked at him in a certain way that drew everyone else's attention to him. And this is an important part of Christ's ministry. He is, he's, he sees things and then he draws our attention to them. He's, he wants us to see them too. And he does this all the time. I mean, think about all the stories where some insignificant person, I just mentioned Bartimaeus. That's a good story. Another person is Zacchaeus. Happened in the same day, in the same town uh, as Bartimaeus. You know, he's up on the tree. Now, why are we told about that? We're told about that because Jesus saw him, stopped, and began a conversation with him up on the tree. Now, did other people see Zacchaeus up on the tree? Probably a few people at least saw saw Zacchaeus up in the tree. But that's not the point. The point is Jesus saw him in a way that nobody else saw him. And he stopped and he drew everybody else's attention to Zacchaeus. And in so many ways, Jesus came to correct our perspective because we're blind. There are things that we miss. And Jesus looked at those things and by looking at them, he calls us to see them. Things that are easy for us just to walk by. Okay. Let's get back. um, On the cross, 
When Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It specifically says that he looked up to heaven when he said that. So, there again we have his eyes um, doing something significant at that important moment of his life and of his death. Okay, how about his mouth? We already talked about spitting on the ground in in John. Um, he spit directly into a man's face, in uh, into his eyes in Mark eight. So besides spitting, what what other things we can think of about Jesus' mouth? Sorry. Yeah, he preached and he taught, and those and. You know, I love the expression in uh, Luke 4, where it says, People were amazed at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. Such a great expression. And, you know, to me, you read the Gospels, and it's just, I have the same experience. What else? Yes, he commanded a lot of things that he had, like, like the world was created by the word of God. So Jesus was ordering the creation around a lot. And some of it was diseases. What are other examples? He commanded demons. What are other things he commanded with his mouth? Sorry? Lazarus. Commanded Lazarus to come out of the tomb. Very good. What else did he command with his mouth? Sally, feel that you need to be more bold. The storm. The storm. Peace be still. Very good. Very good. Okay. Um, his mouth. Anything else? I have two more. He prayed. Okay, very good. Spoke to his father just like he heard his father speak to him. He uh, responded to the devil's temptation. Yep, he, he put the devil down with his mouth. One of the things I thought of was what, not something that's very obvious, and that's that he ate with. Have another one back there. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know of any time that I'm sure he did, but I don't know that there's a time in the Gospels which says that. Drink the sour wine. Drink the vinegar. Figure, uh, spiritually speaking, he drank the cup of God's wrath upon the cross. Now my last one, I want you to guess because it's a time when um, not when he his mouth was used in a unique way but when his mouth was went unused in a remarkable way. 
church. Somebody said something over here? Yes, he was silent before his persecutors. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. That's the prophecy of Isaiah 53.7. We certainly see that happen as he's going through the trials, the six trials before his crucifixion. How did Jesus use his mouth on the cross? There's, um, there's actually seven things that Jesus said on the cross. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but there's seven sayings that Jesus gave from the cross. Can we think of... Oh, we're, we're out of time, so we've got to go to the last one, which is his side. But the one to the sinner, to the fellow uh, on other... The cross next to him was one of those seven things. Okay, so his side... Sure, he laid down on his side, although that was a common thing, and I don't think he did it in any way that was that much different than the others. He was pierced on the cross after his death. Remember, that's how they found out that he was dead. And then follow up on that one. There's another one that, right along that same vein. Thomas. Yes, when he showed his scar on the side to Thomas. And then, uh, any any other on his side? I only have one other, and this is you know, torso. Not necessarily the side of his torso, but it's torso. And that's uh, that J- John laid his head on Jesus' breast. Remember. Showing the connection that the two of them had with each other. Well, those are, um, I hope, you know, all good reminders brought into the context of the new, the birth of Christ. That we, you know, gaze upon his little body and ponder the, uh, the significance of each part as, um, as his life unfolded. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these precious truths, for this one that you sent, who lived a life so beyond all others, and who died a death that gave us life. Help us now as we prepare to worship, to uh, be filled with him, to exalt his name, and to learn of him today. We pray in his name. Amen.